Decisions, decisions. We make them every day. Little things like, what am I going to wear? Do I choose the skim latte or the double mocha with extra whip? Should I go to bed early or binge watch a whole season of shows? Of course, some decisions carry more weight, like, do we stay together or split up? Buy a house or rent? Get a dog or have kids in a minivan? Accept the new job or look for something better? So many decisions to make, and it's really hard to know which one is right. It helps when you know there are some things you just won't do. But what happens when God shuts a door? Who helps you when you're facing a tough choice? One decision could change the course of your life. The future is waiting at the door. Yeah, well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Cities today. Way to go, you made it to church. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online around the country and world. I know this is your connection to our church, so welcome to you as well. I'm so glad you're with us today. We're in a series called At the Door because the average person makes about 70 decisions every day. And that's about 2 million decisions over a person's lifetime, decisions about where to go, what to read, where to work, how to spend money, what to believe. And if you add up those 2 million decisions, what you end up with is a life. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Last Sunday evening, I was trying to make a decision about what to have for dessert. And so I said to my wife, I said, you want to go to Nelson's Ice Cream in Stillwater? She said, sure. So we drove 18 miles. We stood in line for 45 minutes because it was just wrapped around and around. And I paid $5.50 for a single scoop of coconut joy, which might seem like a bad decision. But a life without coconut joy is not a life worth living. So once a year, we make the trek over to Stillwater, and we experience the glory and splendor of coconut. They give you about a half a gallon for a single scoop. But the next day, I bike 20 miles because coconut joy without exercise becomes coconut so much joy, if you know what I mean. So uh, the word that the Bible uses to describe people who make great decisions is the word wise. Not wealthy, not smart, not lucky, but wise. I've met a lot of smart people who make terrible decisions about relationships, work, and uh, money. You know, wisdom is not the same as being intelligent. You can be very, very intelligent and smart and not very wise. So wisdom is the ability to make great decisions. And I think it's the difference between people who flourish in life and people who don't flourish very well. People flourish ask, what's the wise thing to do dozens and dozens of times a day about everything they do? It's almost intuitive. What's the wise decision here dozens of times a day? Last week I said there were three factors to making the right decision between door number one and door number two. And the first factor is you got to know what your values are. Number one, two, three, four, and five. What are your top values? Because that will drive your decision making. Second thing I said is, what are you not ever, ever going to do? It's just off the table. And you've thought about this. I'm just never going to go there, never going to do that. The third thing is, follow what the Bible says. And if you do those three things, you're going to know what to do and where to go about 95, 98% of the time. But today I want to talk to you about closed doors because many of us consistently make wise decisions between door number one, but then it seems like God closes a door for no apparent reason. 
You know, somebody would love to be married. And they pray about that. But for whatever reason, uh, they don't meet the right person. Or someone has an illness. They pray for healing, but it doesn't happen. Or someone prays for promotion, but it doesn't come their way. Or they get cut from the team, or they have a season-ending injury, and God seemingly closes a door to them. I've told this story a couple times before, but years ago, I had a door closed on me that at the time was just devastating to me. I had graduated from college and seminary eight years doing that, then spent the next five years pastoring a small church in Fallen, Wisconsin. I didn't know if I wanted to be a pastor for the rest of my life. thought maybe I wanted to teach communication. So I, I applied to three grad schools, University of Minnesota, University of Wisconsin, and then Penn State University. I was admitted to Penn State, which I thought was a, an answer to our prayer. So we packed up a U-Haul trailer, two little kids, drove cross-country 1,200 miles from Wisconsin to State College, Pennsylvania, essentially starting our life over at age 31. Moved everything into our tiny apartment, and the first thing I did was I met with the department administrator to talk about teaching assistantships, because if I got a teaching assistantship, I would teach undergrad uh, students speech courses to, to them, and it would pay us enough money to live on and cover our tuition. There were 23 teaching assistantships available for 24 incoming grad students. Lori and I had no job, no income. We weren't worried because people were praying for us. We felt led by God to be there. I met with all the right people at Penn State. Certainly, I would be one of those 23 out of 24 to get an assistantship. Guess who didn't? get an assistantship. It was me. I was the only one. I was the odd guy out. God's answer was a big fat no, and I'm telling you, I was crushed. Made absolutely no sense. Why me? I'm a good guy. I'm even a Christian. A pastor, more, more or less, which maybe didn't help me. I don't know. What, but why lead us all this way and then not provide what we needed? Well, the semester started, and I'm telling you, the classwork alone was just brutal. And about three weeks into it, several of my classmates started to fail. They could not keep up with their own classwork plus teaching classes on the side, which is what they were required to do. So while all the while they were just dying on a vine, I just kind of went to class and then casually put together my own lesson plans in case someday I would receive a teaching assistantship. And I'll remember, I'll never forget this. I remember the exact day, and I remember it because it was the first, it was the opening day of deer season in Pennsylvania, which is always the Monday after Thanksgiving. I had been hunting up in the mountains uh, that overlooked Beaver Stadium. Right there it is. You can see it, that mountain off in the distance. I was hunting opening day, Monday after Thanksgiving. There's Beaver Stadium right there. And I'd shot a nice big eight-point buck, dragged him off the mountain that morning, and I actually butchered it right outside our apartment to the amusement of a bunch of Korean kids who'd never seen anything like that before. I mean, they went home just like, wow. But that very afternoon, I went over to the speech department, and the administrator said, Merritt, her name was Rita. She was just a tough lady. She said, Merritt, do you want an assistantship? I said, really? Rita, are you kidding me? She said, it's yours. Congratulations. Now, gang, when you get an assistantship on the same day you kill a nice buck, you know it's got to be God's leading. Has to be. Three of my classmates ended up quitting, and what I learned was this. 
if I had received an assistantship at the beginning of the semester, I would have been one of those three to fail. I'd have dropped out for sure, and the whole trajectory of my life would have changed in that day. God, I'll tell you what, God closed a door on my life because he knew I was not ready for it. Did I know that? No, but God did. His timing was perfect. I was the first to graduate out of those 24, by the way. And the question I'm asking today is this. Why does God sometimes close a door and say no? Well, sometimes it's the right door, but it's the wrong time. You know, sometimes God closes the door because we're just not ready. The timing is off. And so God's answer is not yet. So you want to be a teacher, but God says not yet. You want to be an author, but God says you're not ready for that. You want to be a leader, but God says you need to grow more. You want to be in a committed relationship, but maybe God's answer is not yet because there's an area in your life that needs to grow before God opens that door to you. You know, maybe it's the right door, but the wrong time. So instead of trying to kick down the door, maybe there's something God wants to develop in you so that when that door opens, you'll be ready. There's a story in the Bible, early on in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, about how God chose Abraham uh, to be the father of the great nation Israel. And God said, Abraham, your descendants, your children and your descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Look at the stars, Abraham. You're going to have that many descendants. It meant that God was going to give Abraham and Sarah children. And that from their family, the great nation Israel would, would be born. The only problem was they were 75 years old. And they didn't have any kids. And then for the next 25 years, they still couldn't have kids. Now imagine the confusion, the heartache they must have felt, how cruel of God to promise children and then nothing happens for 25 more years. In fact, Sarah got so desperate that one day she said to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children. Here's an idea. Go and sleep with my servant Hagar. Perhaps we can have children through her. Now you would think, Abraham, being a godly man would say, no way, that's not right, not in God's plan. Next verse, so Abraham agreed. <laughs> Great idea, Sarah. He didn't have to think about it much. Why did I think of that kind of thing? My wife says men are just so weak. But it was Sarah's idea, but man, just so weak. Bible says Hagar bore a son to Abraham but Sarah became so bitter that she drove Hagar into the wilderness where she lived alone for the rest of her life as a single mom. Side note, so often we, when we want something so badly and it doesn't happen right away, we get impatient, we kick down the door, we take things into our own hands, we force a really, really bad decision, and we make everything so much worse because we're impatient. Don't do that. So 25 years go by, Abraham and Sarah are now 99. <laughs> Still no kids. But at 99, God came to them again and promised they'd have a son. Look at the Bible says, but Sarah laughed. 
and thought, how can a worn-out old woman like me have a baby? Who would even want one at 99? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, how can I have a child in my old age? I will return to you next year at this time, and Sarah will have a son. Then Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But God said, yes, you did laugh. Did not, did so. Heard you. God hears it. A year later, when Abraham and Sarah were 100 years old, they had their first child, Isaac, whose name means laughter. It's hilarious, sort of. Now, now, gang, why did God do that? Why did God promise them a son and then make them wait until they were 100 years old? Because if God gives you a child at 100 years old, you will never doubt God's power again. That's a miraculous working of God. In fact, Genesis 18, 18 says, the Lord said, Abraham, here's the reason, will become a great nation. And all the nations, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord and do it as right and just forever. What would Abraham have learned about trusting God if they had kids at age 24? Not much. But Abraham would never doubt God again, and God singled him out and made him wait because God didn't just want to build a man. He wanted to build a nation whose faith would be so strong that he would bless all the nations, including this nation. All the nations of the earth would be blessed through this man, Abraham, whose faith would never, ever waver after that. Same with us. When God wants to build something great in you, he will often single you out. He will test you. He'll say not yet because God wants to build an unwavering faith in you that only comes by waiting and testing. James 1, 2 says it this way. When trouble comes your way, and it comes for all of us, let that be an opportunity for joy. Are you kidding me? Why should I be joyful when trouble comes? Here's the reason. For when your faith is tested, your endurance grows. And when your endurance grows, you will be ready for just about anything that comes your way. I don't know why God is asking some of you to wait. Maybe for a job you want. Or a promotion or a godly boyfriend or girlfriend or the sale of your home. Or some kind of you know, thing like a pregnancy or whatever. And while you're waiting, isn't this true, you can lose hope. And you can, you can feed all those bad feelings of fear and desperation. But gang, God says there is a purpose, there is a purpose to waiting and testing so that your faith and dependence can grow on God so that you'll be ready and wiser and stronger for just about anything that comes your way. 
Second reason, sometimes there's a closed door is sometimes it's simply the wrong door. You know, God, please make me rich. It's probably not the right prayer. Columnist Irma Bombeck once prayed, God, if I can't be thin, then please make all my friends look fat. It's probably not the right prayer. Psalm 37 forces, God will give you the desires of your heart, but sometimes our desires don't line up with God's desires, and God needs to change our desires so that our desires will be met. God's more interested in building your faith. He's more interested in forming your character than he is in making you rich or thin, so sometimes he simply closes a door. Garth Brooks. Gotta love Garth Brooks. No, maybe not. Don't we have a picture of Garth? There he is. All right, good. Way to go. Uh, He once wrote a... That's okay. Okay, that's enough. He once wrote a song... He once wrote a song called Thank God for Unanswered Prayer about a woman he wanted to marry. But it didn't work out. God closed the door, but then he saw her years later and he was like, oh man, dodged a huge bullet. Has that ever happened to you? Where you had your heart set on a person, relationship, job, opportunity, and you prayed and prayed and prayed, but God closed that door. But then you realized that if God had answered that prayer, granted your request, it would have been a huge disaster. And you ended up going, thank God for unanswered prayer. Several years ago, we were without a worship leader, and great worship leaders are really hard to find. We're so blessed in this church with great worship leaders. But we found a talented guy. I did everything I could to make this happen. Flew him out twice, rolled out the red carpet. It came down to us in a church in California. It was a Sunday afternoon. He called me. He said, Bob, I've chosen the other church. I was just sick. So deflated. I was so desperate, I actually increased the financial offer on the phone, even though I was pretty sure I wasn't allowed to do that. But that closed door led us to Matt Berry and Steve Duty, who are two of the best worship leaders. I wouldn't trade those two guys for anybody in the world. No kidding. They're all applauding here at Lionel Hope there at Woodbury. A few years later, a few years later, I heard the terrible news that this other worship leader who I tried to hire had a moral failure. Divorced his wife, lost his job, and is out of ministry. And I'm like, Now, I have great empathy for him, and I hope he turns it around and restores his life. But sometimes you just got to trust God. Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. You know, God's like these news helicopters that fly over rush hour, and they see all the pileups ahead. And God's like that. He sees all the pileups ahead that we can't see, and so he reroutes us even though we don't understand it for our own good. Third reason why closed doors. Sometimes doors are open, we just don't see them. Sometimes they're open. Sometimes God will ask you to wait like Abraham. Other times God is waiting on you. In fact, Jesus said, you know, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door, the door will be open to you. There's an asking, there's a seeking, there's a pursuing that's required for some doors to open. 
You know, doors don't generally open to couch sitting, TV watching, daydreaming, internet shopping, video gaming, waiting for their luck to change type of people. Man, it took me a half hour to write that. I thought that was a good sentence. <laughs> Two of you clap, thanks. <laughs> doors open to people who are out there learning, moving, taking action. Jesus said doors open to those who ask and seek and knock. A few years after we were married, Lori was six months pregnant with our first child. We had very little money. We had a car that I bought for $700, a piece of junk. We were on our way from St. Paul, Minnesota to Pittsburgh to visit her parents, and we left St. Paul in the afternoon and planned to drive 900 miles through the night. About 5 p.m. on Highway 94, going through Wisconsin, near Eau Claire, my engine overheated. I smelled radiator fluid, pulled off the ramp, took her right into a small town, and steam was just rolling out from under my hood. When right there on the side of the road was a makeshift sign that said, radiator repair, two blocks ahead. I coasted into the front of this guy's house, and in his garage was a big tub of water, welding tools, he was working on a radiator. I mean, what are the odds? of my car overheating at the exact time to take the ramp where I turned right to see a sign that led us down a street where my car died right in front of a guy's, guy's house who just happened to fix radiators. Thought, this has to be God. Walked up to him, I said, I have a leak in my radiator, can you, can you fix it? He said, well, not today. This is my last one, and he closed the door shut. Clearly, he wasn't getting the same message from God that I was getting. <laughs> So I kept knocking. I said, look, we're on our way to Pittsburgh. We don't have any money for a hotel. Could you just do one more radiator? He said, sorry, this is my last one. And the door closed again. I said, what if I can pull the radiator out myself and then put it back in again? Then would you fix it? He looked at me and paused. I said, my wife is six months pregnant over there. He looked at Laurie and she waved. <laughs> he said, all right, if you can pull it, put it back in. I'll see if I can fix it. I said, that's fantastic. Do you have some tools? Can I, can I borrow some tools? He says, man, you're pushing it. Grabbed his tools, crawled under the car, got fluid all over me, but I removed it in record time. The guy fixed it for 20 bucks. We were back on the road in 45 minutes. And my point is this. If I had stopped asking after one request, nothing would have happened. But I kept asking and knocking, and a closed door became an open door. Jesus said in the NLT translation, so keep on. Don't give up after one prayer. And it'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will start opening to you. Some people knock once, and they give up. But I'm telling you, sometimes God wants to know how serious you are, how faith-filled you are. Will you keep following? Will you keep asking God? Will you keep being faith-filled? Because sometimes a closed door becomes an open door to those who trust God enough to keep asking there's a funny story in the Bible. Jesus tells about a guy who ran out of food. 
for his guests one night. So he went to his friend's house at midnight and knocked on his friend's door because he wanted to borrow some food, and his friend was in bed. And he yells to his friend on the other side of the door. He says, go away. Quit bothering me. The door is locked. We're all in bed. Guy just keeps knocking. Finally, Jesus says this. He says, though he won't get up and give him bread because he's his friend, (laughs) but because of the man's persistence, just to get him to go away, he'll get up and give him as much as he need. And Jesus' point is, man, sometimes you you just got to keep pursuing because a closed door can become an open door to those who persist. Finally today, sometimes there's a closed door and you'll just, you'll just never know why. Isaiah 55 says it this way, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, says the Lord. Sometimes, you know, God is so great and so beyond us. We don't understand, you know, how he's working in our life. Some doors are closed and, and God never, never tells us why. In fact, Job in the Old Testament, you ought to read Job if you haven't read that. Lost his health. He lost his entire family. He lost all of his money and his home and livestock and ranch. And he never got an answer for why. He talks about it in chapter 23. He says, if only I knew where to find God, I'd go and I'd talk to him about it. But I go east, he's not there. I go west, God, I can't find him there. I look to the north, south, but he's not there. Have you ever felt that way? Just God isn't, doesn't seem to be available or close. Job goes on to say, but I have stayed in God's path. I don't understand this, but I have followed in God's ways. I'm not going to turn aside. I have kept his commands. I have treasured his word in my heart. In other words, even though I don't have an answer, even though I don't understand why these things have happened to me, I'm going to continue to trust God because Job says this. He says, but God will do for me all he has planned. I don't understand God's plan, God does control my destiny. You know, why are some people born into poverty? Why are some people born with just terrible parents? Why are some people born with a mental or physical limitation? Why do some people have all the advantages while others seem to have little or no advantages at all? I received several emails this week from people who reminded me that some doors are simply not open to them. A woman in her 30s wrote this to me. She said, Bob, I am still trying to overcome the bad decisions that my parents made. She was born to teenage parents. She never knew her dad. Her mom struggled with mental illness, so they were homeless most of her childhood. She said when she was eight years old, her mom offered her a joint and was taught to lie and cheat and live recklessly during her formative years. She said, I wish I had two parents who loved God and loved me, but that wasn't the case. I'm so thankful for a group of friends who brought me to a church like this and introduced me to what real love is through Jesus Christ. 
But Bob, there are some things in life that some of us did not choose. And that's a lot of us. Some of you have had so many doors closed on you through no fault of your own. And because of the bad choices your parents made or spouse made or someone else made, you have a steeper hill to climb. But you don't have to be a victim. And you don't have to make the same terrible mistakes that maybe your parents made or somebody else made in your life. You can start today by going through one God-honoring door at a time, even though doors were closed to you earlier in life, I'm telling you, if you keep seeking God, if you keep asking and pursuing him and obeying him, doors of opportunity will begin to open to you again. Jesus said, so keep on asking, and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find. Keep on knocking. Don't give up and doors will begin to open to you because sometimes there's no good reason for why a door has closed. But I'm telling you, gang, God is for you. And I believe there is an open door waiting for every person here, no matter what's happened to you. God is the God of open doors. And he has doors waiting for you. Sometimes God says, not yet. Not yet. Sometimes he says, that's the wrong door. Don't go through that door. Sometimes there's an open door. We're, not just, we're just not seeing it. Sometimes there's a closed door. You don't understand why. But if you keep asking and keep seeking and keep pursuing God, those doors will start to open your way. Hey, next week we're going to continue this ser series uh, about At the Door. It's going to be a fantastic weekend again. All campuses close for uh, Stanford Closing Prayer will be on our way. Let's pray together. Father, thanks so much for doors that open to us, and they're amazing. Thanks, God, for closed doors where we wanted something so badly, and if it would have opened up to us, it would have been a disaster. And so in your wisdom and your kindness and goodness, you closed it. God, thank you that you are a God of redemption and restoration and healing and hope. Thank you that you are a God of open doors, and that if we keep asking, keep following, keep obeying, God, you promised that doors will open, good doors that give us hope and life and joy and peace and goodness. God, I pray that every person here will have a fresh sense of your wisdom, that they'll make great decisions this week. And I pray that for myself as well, God, that you'll continue to help me make the decisions I need to make. And we need you every step of the way. We love you. Thank you. In your precious name, amen. Have a great day, everybody.